you're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm pretty awesome this morning. You know, it's been a good week, uh, a lot of good activity on the home front and the work front. And um, that home front actually is kind of a lead into uh, our guest today. As you know, I spend more time on sidelines watching primarily soccer than I want to. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I enjoy it, but I spend a lot of time there. Uh, but sports aren't for everyone. Um, and I think they're an important part of certain kids' lives. But what I've probably been proudest as a parent is watch my kids on stage performing and putting themselves out there to, to enunciate and be proud and, 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 and be able to project something to an audience and make themselves vulnerable. That skill set of getting up in front of people in the uh, performing arts world, I think it's transferable no matter what they do in life. Um, sports sometimes has a shelf life. So, I'm absolutely fascinated today to have our our guest and hear what his path has been to becoming an artist and really owning that space. And I I know how much you love music, Joyce. So I'm curious what your thoughts about as we lead into this interview today. Well, honestly, Matt, just hearing you talk about that, your kids and being proud of them on stage, it took me back to my my junior high, high school, all the days, even beyond high school. You know, I was I was up on stage. I mean anytime I could be from musicals to performing. Um, and so I never really thought about it that way and about the transferable skill. Um, and I do to this day still love to just be up on stage communicating something. So it's interesting, interesting viewpoint, especially uh, from a father's perspective. Um, I'll have to say when I read this um, bio, we don't usually read bios at the beginning, but this bio for some reason, like every time I read it, I've read it three or four times. Now there's just, there's something about it. And so before we get started, I'm not going to do the normal introduction, but I'm just going to read um, Mr. Obbs, as we're going to call him and get to meet him in a few minutes, the, uh, the bio. So Aubrey, Mr. Obbs, is a multifaceted force in the realm of creativity and education. As a poet, educator, author of three poetry books, MC, and founder of Roaring Rhetoric and Young Lions Roar. And that is super cool, by the way. If anyone's listening, make sure, if we don't say it again, make sure to go check that out. Performing and teaching the art of poetry all over the world, Ob's work transcends traditional boundaries to bring about a harmonious fusion of expression and enlightenment. In addition, Mr. Ob's has experienced in the field of education, working as a paraeducator for special needs schools and leading workshops to those with an interest in the art of performance, poetry, and writing. He's taught workshops to a broad range of students, from those in their teens to those in their late 50s, equipping participants with the tools needed to craft their stories in their unique, untapped style and use vulnerability and stage fright as a strength. His teaching endeavors have taken him outside of the country and in 2019 even taught literary workshops for two weeks in the country of Haiti. So without further ado, if that's not a a most incredible bio, I'm not sure what what it is, but welcome uh, Mr. Obbs to a real piece of work, the job podcast for young people. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, Thank you for that intro too. That was uh, definitely I appreciate that intro. Probably one of the, the best ones of uh, of this year to kind of set the year off. So you set the bar. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I think that was appropriate, Joy, to, to really give that detail in that bio. Um, 
and I love the fact that we've got a true entrepreneur, an entrepreneur here, but maybe not my, for some of our listeners, they may not think of a traditional entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. Mr. Hobbs, if you could, you know, describe to our listeners, you know, describe your career for, for, and, and what it is you do from a day-to-day basis so that we can start to try to crystallize for our listeners. What's the path to where you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, career wise, um, I always tell people like, first and foremost, um, I'm an educator. You know, that's that's something that like that's where my heart is. Uh, That's where a lot of my passion kind of comes from. That's where I kind of create from when it comes to poetry, writing books or anything that I may create, whether it be like workshops and all that. Like so um, my my main career as an educator um, right now, I actually teach fourth grade uh, at uh, at Rivermont Collegiate. But next to that. I run an organization called Young Lions Roar, as uh, Joy said, where I pretty much invite students to um, find their creative expression through the arts of poetry and spoken word poetry um, uh, specifically. So I've been doing this as an organization for the last two years, but I've been teaching poetry uh, for about 10 years now as well. Um, so that's one of one part of my career. On the other side of it, um, as an artist, um, I, I I focus on the art of like poetry, spoken word as well. I also um, play with other different uh, arts as well as uh, as as uh, like hip hop um, as well as like battle rap as well. And those things kind of enrich what I do for my poetic expression, you know. Um, but um, what that kind of looks like career wise is that um, I do events and shows uh, that kind of pertain to poetry and spoken word. Um, just two weeks ago, I believe, or maybe it was like last week, I just did the Martin Luther King celebration at the Martin Luther King Center, and they commissioned me to write and uh, perform a piece pertaining to that uh, event specifically. So I get bookings uh, for events as that that aren't necessarily poetry events, but they want poetry to kind of enhance their events. And on the other side, I'm, I also get a contractor for poetry events as well. I was just in Milwaukee this past weekend for uh, as a feature for one of their uh, poetic events out there. So um, on that side, I get to do a lot of traveling, kind of sharing my stories and really inspiring people um, from a different vantage point, educating them from a different vantage point of just kind of like sharing my art and allowing that kind of be the, to be the conduit in which I'm kind of educating. So poetry and education, those are, are, are the couple things I do. <laughs> so it's so interesting hearing you talk, you know, you think about your typical, or a lot of people think about the typical jobs as a nine to five, right? It's routine, it's structured. And it sounds to me from what you're saying that you have a very just different flexible schedule. Your days, your weeks look much different. Can you talk a little bit more about that to the students who are listening in and telling them just, you know, what your what your weeks and what your days look like? You know, do you have structure or is are you kind of you have to really go with the flow from week to week? Yeah. So um as as of uh, as of lately, uh kind of taking this uh fourth grade teaching job uh temporarily, um, there's been a lot more uh uh said structure, I guess that um then when I when I was kind of doing things on my own, when it comes to just uh, poetry, just uh, just kind of like perfecting my poetry, but also like creating workshops. Um, so I can talk from that vantage point of just kind of like what my day to day looks like outside of like fourth grade teaching. But usually um, um, it depends on kind of the contracts that I have coming up and kind of like what my team and I are working on. You know, let, let's say that um, I have like um, a poetry event um, like I'm working on right now. Uh, Upcoming this March, I'm going to be a, I'm, I'm I'm participating in my first poetry slam, in uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So like in the preparation of that, um, I've been I wake up at six a.m. I recite my poems for about thirty minutes to an hour, take notes on what I can do better, what worked, and um, after kind of the uh, three hours of that, I'm working on uh, checking through emails, see what contracts I have, see what I have coming up. Uh, Mark actually has uh, me contracted for uh for an event that um 
that we're working on with the QC Symphony. So right now um, I'm doing a lot of studying for that to kind of like better know what to write about and how to better articulate it through my art form. Um, so that's that part of it too. And also just creating curriculum and lesson plans as well on a daily basis through uh, for my uh, Young Lions Roar program as well, which uh, kind of entails just thinking about what students did the week before, how I can kind of build up on that, what the students' needs are, how I can prepare students for their own shows as well. So um, that's what kind of like a day-to-day kind of entails. It kind of just depends on what contract is uh, close, how how far it is, how important it is, and just kind of like building intention around that. Love that answer. Um, just give a little glimpse behind the scenes there. Uh, wanted to pivot a little bit. As 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 you know, primary audience are high school students. So, you know, we'll we'll get at educators, parents, maybe some younger kids listening from time to time. But uh, we do um, have a question from one of our junior achievement students by the name of Maddie Hillman, who's a freshman at North Scott High School. I'd like you to listen to this, answer it, and and then there's a tag on question to her question. I want to get get to you. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Maddie Hillman. I'm a freshman at North Scott High School, and I was wondering, what did you do that made you decide that you wanted to do this for your career path? Mm. And then Mr. Robs, on top of that, she was kind of curious, you know, how do you find your ideas? Like, how do you find your ideas for your, for your material? Uh, so yeah. it's kind of a two, two-pronged question we want to throw at you there from Maddie. Uh, I, I applaud Maddie for those questions because those are those are really good questions. I love those questions. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I started looking at, are, are considering poetry as a career. Honestly, the first time I stepped on stage when I was uh, 23, I'm 31, uh, 32 now, 32. Um, so um, the first time I stepped on stage was when I was 23. I was just, um, I just had uh, taken a, I just finished my fourth year of college and was kind of like in this place of like trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Cause I knew education was part of it. I was going to school for elementary education, but I kind of felt there was something bigger than that, that I wanted to do. So I kind of took a year to kind of get myself to kind of feel out what that was. And um, poetry was one of those things that kind of came to the forefront in that, uh, in that hiatus, you know, I was, um, I had a couple of friends uh, in the community who had been doing spoken word poetry um, who kind of like really inspired me. Um, in the sense that like I've been writing poetry since I was 11 years old, you know, so I'm, I was very familiar with kind of writing poetry, but I never know, knew that people actually shared their poetry through their voice as, as an art form, you know, so that part really intrigued me. And um, after kind of just hearing this friend back when I was 23, I kind of just took it on myself to kind of get back into my poetry writing. And the day that I decided to, um, one of my good friends now, I mean, he, he was a, uh, he was kind of a stranger at the, at the time, but he saw me riding at this coffee shop at Cool Beans when they were uh, up by Augustana. He saw me riding, asked me what I was riding. I kind of told him and he told me that um, I should prepare something for the open mic that upcoming Saturday. So um, out of that, I was like, okay, I don't know what open mic is. I don't know what it entails of me, but I know that I like this art form. So I, uh, I wrote this piece um, starting on a Monday and um, I kind of did a lot of more researching on spoken word poetry and um, started really kind of like getting into memorizing and rehearsing um, my pieces and all that. So the first poem I remember I ever performed was a memorized piece. And um, after I seen kind of the crowd engaged as they were, it kind of built a, a curiosity in me, you know, of just like really wanting to continue to do this. And I think it wasn't until I continued to do it more and more that I started to see and notice how it inspired people how it made people kind of think about themselves differently in a positive light, in a, in a compassionate light, you know, and um, how it kind of like provoked people to ask, ans- ask the hard questions to themselves after kind of like facing work that made them look at the world in a different way. 
And when I started to really realize that that was the effect my work was having on people and seeing that it was really productive energy that was kind of given, um, that's when I kind of realized that um, I wanted to do this as a career. Um, because again, being an educator, um, art has kind of been my medium in which I just educate people from a different standpoint, using the arts in a way that like um, is personable, in a way that's thought provoking, but also uh, that's also entertaining as well. So um, that's what kind of like made me realize I want to do it as a career, just kind of seeing people's response to my art. Now, um, the ideas. Comes, what was that? And, and Maddie was curious about where you get your ideas. Yeah. So uh, my ideas, it's it's all it's always changed from uh, from year to year. But I, I will say the uh, the longstanding inspiration for my work is literally just kind of just like in simple terms, living life. You know, um, I tell my students, I was just telling my students this yesterday and giving them a prompt based off this. But um, for me as a writer nowadays, like I build my work off of conversations I have with people, conversations that I hear, things that I see, um, things that I observe. Because I tell my students all the time, art's all around us. It's just depending on how you kind of articulate that moment uh, that's happening in front of you. You may hear somebody talking in line about um, a job that they uh, that they do, and that may spark a inspiration in your mind. You may see someone crossing the street and um, uh, missing a car by a second, you know, and that may spark inspiration in your mind, you know. So for me, I kind of let just I kind of let art kind of I kind of just let life kind of like give me my inspiration and, and kind of open myself up to everything being creative, you know, and give myself the challenge of like how to articulate this moment or how, how to articulate this conversation in a way that like people will understand it artistically and where I can really express myself to the fullest of my uh, creative ability as well. So kind of as a follow-up to that, and I almost feel like Maddie was reading my mind with a question that I had. Um, so my question is, I am an overthinker. I think of everything and I feel like I would like squirrel, like I'd be going all day long and I have all these ideas. So how do you, how do you organize your thoughts? And so when you think of something, so let's say that instance does happen, you know, for me, you know, I'm sure you have how many thoughts in a day, how do you organize that? How do you decide then? How do you pick and choose which, you know, which items you think would really, um, would really touch people, would reach people that, that that's the one that you really need to focus on? How do you narrow it down? Yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely resonate with that joy. Just being someone who, uh, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was like 28. So my mind's very active. I'm a very active minded person. Plus I'm just always a, a thinking person as well. Very observant. So, um, a lot of my organization, what I tell students off bat is like poetry is one of those arts for me that's taught me that like you you put thoughtfulness into it, but there there's the uh, kind of like paradox where you don't put too much thoughtfulness into it where like you can just spill your ideas. So like whenever I'm like forming my ideas about something, um, I just let myself spill all those ideas. I don't try to question them. Don't try to like put them through whether it's a good or not feedback yet. I just get all those ideas out and just put them on a piece of paper. And um, once I have all those ideas out and I feel like I exhausted everything in my mind, all the possibilities of where this idea could go, then I kind of take the ideas and I kind of ask myself, okay, what fits the narrative that I want people to kind of like listen to? Because there's seven or eight different like narratives that could be seven or eight different po poems, but like what's the one right now that I can focus on that um, I can kind of like uh, give to my audience and all that. And um, I think just being somebody who, who, who's, uh, who's, uh, very, who's an empath, you know, uh, and who worked with at-risk students and kind of worked in a social emotional learning space for, for about seven years. I kind of uh, have grown this, um, this, uh, this, this habit of knowing kind of like what folks are feeling and what would like sit well with folks often just kind of like knowing kind of like that social emotional world. But 
uh, with that said too, at the end of the day, I think you never know how your work's going to um, translate to, to an audience unless you try it. You know, I think that's the, that's the risk taking part. You know, I think we can sit, I can sit at my desk and, and, and study this piece, write it, revise it for, for 12 hours, which I've done before, you know, um, to, to the fullest. And uh, it can be great to, to myself, but I really don't know how it is until I give it to uh, the people that, that I want it, that I want to take in the art. So um, yeah, that, that's my whole thing. Like always realizing that like just sharing your art on stage is a part of that creation process too. It's not the end all tell all, um, but you're always going back and figuring out how to kind of reconfigure pieces. So you articulate them better or even learn how to say them in a different way uh, to maybe articulate it better to people. So that's kind of my process. So th thank you for that transition. You're, you've got the narrative, you've got the literal words that you're wanting to get out. Um, I'm curious, what have you done to help yourself get more comfortable with presenting? There are two different topics. You got words that are great and somebody might read them and get it. But if yeah. you're being, if you're going to go compete or you're just, you're not, it's not a competition. You're just up on stage to present presentation skills can have a big impact on your audience. What yeah. have you done to improve that side of the equation? Um, there's a couple of things that I've, uh, I've played with over the last couple of years. I think, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, with the movie soul. Um, it's like a Disney movie, it's a Pixar movie. One of my favorite movies. Cause I connect with it so well. Um, but Joe, uh, one of the main characters in the movie, um, when he's playing the piano, he talks about how he goes into a zone where like, almost everything around him like doesn't really exist, you know, in that moment, all he's focused on is what he's doing on the keys and all that. And really to get to that place comes with practice, you know? So, um, that's how I kind of like ready myself for kind of performing in front of people, you know, um, just having that time of just really cutting out time to rehearse, um, like getting ready for this uh, poetry slam in March. I made an intention to, um, recite my pieces, each of my pieces, which I have six pieces, recite each of them 300 times, like every month to make sure that like it's there, you know, even if they're familiar, even though I have them all in my mind, just being able to say them over and over, I'm always finding a new thing, a new way to kind of uh, perform that, uh, perform that piece. But the, to, to be able to have it really internalized where I don't have to really think about it. That's what kind of all the more helps me to kind of like be in this said zone. You know, it, it's funny. Cause um, this past weekend I was in uh, Milwaukee, like I said, um, doing a show, and um, I had about a 15 minute set and um, I was so kind of like in the zone where it didn't feel like 15 minutes. Like I was even questioning myself whether I went through all my pieces because I'm like, this really felt like 10 minutes. So I'm going through my head after thinking like, oh, did I go through all my stuff? I'm like, yeah, I did. But it's I was just so in this moment where I was able to kind of like be so um, so present with my art where like I didn't really think about like who's in front of me or really kind of like pay attention to that person who maybe is looking at their phone or pay attention to that person who's probably not paying, paying attention. You know, um, I was so kind of in the zone or in the moment with my art because I had practiced it so much where I could just do it where my body's just, it knows what to say. You know, I could just be in my little space and I just know what to say out of just having that practice. So um, those are two things that I do just kind of like being in front of people, being in front of people as well. Like, doing a lot of open mics and just being comfortable with the feel of being in front of people that that's a big helper too. Like, cause you can share your art with yourself as much as you want. And I could do these 300 pieces and recite them to myself. Uh, so I have them well remembered up here, but 
it's different when you're in your space by yourself and then when you have eyes on you. So being able to be in front of people and get a feel uh, of like being in front of people, what that feels like and learn how to channel that energy is also a really important part too. Before we uh, pass on to the last question, unless Matt has something else, kids are always wanting to know about the money piece, right? So um, you told us about the day-to-day and, and what you do. And I'm curious on the business side. So how do you, you know, can you make some decent money living doing this? And then how do you manage the business aspect and the finance piece as well, along with, you know, if you're running your own business as an entrepreneur and trying to find business, but you're also trying to, you know, practice poems 300 times in a month, you know, how do you fit all that other stuff in? And how does that, how does that work? And can you make some money? The kids want to know, can I make some money doing this? Oh yeah, most definitely. No, that's a good question. Cause I, I, I definitely know just like being in the region that we're in the quad cities, um, like kind of hearing about poetry as like a paid profession is kind of like, it's kind of, it kind of sounds like Spanish to somebody who, who doesn't know the language, you know, like, whereas if you go to Chicago or if you go to Peoria or St. Louis, it's all the, it's, it's, it's absolutely a possibility. But I think like, again, like if you don't see it being a thing, it's hard to imagine it being a, uh, being kind of like a paid thing. So um, for me, just having a team, I tell people all the time, like never like go on these things uh, by yourself. You know, obviously there's the, there's that, um, that's, there's that independent piece when it comes to writing, coming up with the ideas. Um, and uh, also rehearsing. Those things are things that you kind of control and, and do on your own. But um, having people who, who, who believe in your vision enough, uh, who, who are on the business end to kind of help like um, handle emails for you when you can't, you know, having people who, who can like um, help you kind of create business plans for certain pieces you have. Because one thing that I learned from my uh, mentors in poetry, which kind of like goes into uh, the conversation of money is that like one poem can do can can be like 10 streams of income if you think about how if you think about poetry outside of writing and outside of performing you know um like with a lot of my pieces and and, and poetry wise um if i get booked for for a place to uh, perform poetry and they want a specific poetry um my team and i always ask um and, and give kind of like um opportunities for them to kind of like have workshops in which they can sit in where, where artists can sit in on sessions and hear about how I created this piece and kind of see like the intricacies that kind of came with creating this literary work, breaking down the rhyme, the metaphor, the simile, and all these different things and giving people an opportunity to, to kind of create their work kind of pertaining to sort of kind of the same subject in their own voice and narrative though, you know? So, um, just, just thinking about art in that kind of way and, and, and kind of realizing that art can be more than what is seen and heard has kind of been what has helped me make it, make it a career, which again, it's, it's different for people. I, I always share this story with people. Um, I think it was my fourth year of doing poetry. I actually was um, looking into a, a getting a, a place in Rock Island and um, I was being looked like the, uh, the person who, who like owned the space uh, was kind of taking me through it. And they're asking me what I did for a job. And I told them that I write poetry and I perform poetry. And they said uh, that they were uh, worried that I wouldn't be able to uh, pay bills <laughs> with such a job, you know, but again, like they hadn't seen it. So it was hard for them to kind of really think about that, you know, but um, the one thing that I'm always telling my students is like, think about your poetry works outside of just being, writings. You can lead workshops off of your poetry pieces. Your poetry pieces can be used for films. Your poetry pieces can be used for, for theater plays, all these different things. You can teach classes on like if 
if you're if 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 a, if, a, if a school books us for like mental health um kind of mental health initiatives which we're actually doing some work with gray La- gray matters collective here uh next month but um just knowing that i have pieces that I already talk about mental health um there's there's workshops that can be built off that where i'm talking about this piece that talks about let's say grief or depression and i can talk about what that's looked like in my life and how I've kind of like made the action steps to um, really kind of make my life better, which is articulated through this poem. So definitely thinking about your poetry outside of just being a poem, it really helps like with it being more of a realistic of a job because the the start, I think that's what created the term of just starving artists where, where artists just kind of stay confined to like, oh, I just want to perform all the time. That's great. But I have maybe like two, three, five performances um, a month, which pay the, which pay the bills. But when you want more than just the bills being paid, you got to think about your art outside of just sharing it as a performance. So, uh, Mr. Hobbs, yeah, that, that's a great explanation and it's good to hear. Um, sounds like it's, there's also a hustle side of this that is absolutely imperative. I, I think we'd be remiss though. You've mentioned it two to three times. Ooh. Can you can you define maybe not names if you don't unless you want to who's part of your team who else is there like what roles are they sitting in you said like check email is there you give yeah. me titles like who else is on your team yeah absolutely absolutely I can definitely give that that's uh, that's a good question um so like a part like with, with uh kind of me being uh, uh the kind of like creative mind as we kind of call the team like a lot of my work um now primarily is just kind of like writing. Um, creating the pieces, um, even kind of brainstorming um, the summits pertaining to creative writing, uh, the conferences to creative writing, and just kind of like really pitching the dream or the vision of what that can look like. So I'm kind of the the dreamer of kind of like our team now. Like, I think just like doing stuff uh, as an entrepreneur, I know how to send emails. I know how to sit in on like the meetings I need to sit in on. But I realize again that like, though I know how to do it, I know that there's someone who's more geared to that that can do it better, who 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 more so has that business mind as their primary thing. Whereas for me, the business mind is kind of like primary, secondary, uh, in juxtaposition to the to the poetry. So with me kind of being the dreamer and kind of like the creative mind, I have um someone who does uh the business end who kind of like is kind of our uh our, who who does like the business part of uh, of what we do. So like if we have an event that we're getting booked for. I'm having conversation with my business partner on like what we want to do for this event, how we can pitch um, additional services, whether it be like workshops, whether it be um, having our students for Young Lines or being a part of it. And they kind of help set up those things on the business end by reaching out to um, other uh, business entities and having those conversations on my behalf with them. And they kind of just take the said dream that I gave them and kind of like, put it in conversation and, 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 and business language to those who, who understand the business language much better. So we have that as well. Um, we also have um, on my team, a photographer as well for like anything we need. We need, uh, we need content for, for flyers. When we need content for conferences, we get booked for um, those are very important. Um, we also have a videographer, which is very, very, uh, very important, especially in kind of the social media age we live in, like a lot more people where you have people who, um, go to uh, the arts in, in person. You have 10 other people who who go to the arts on social media. So having someone to kind of like shoot videos of maybe poetry content that I create, making like a visual representation of that, um, whether it be like um, 
kind of like advertisements for any events that we're putting on for like summits, conferences, open mics. That person kind of ha- handles the the shooting, the video, um, the editing the video, and um, also kind of like being the person that we kind of like talk back and forth on like how we can better the video if it doesn't really fit 100% of what we want the vision to look like. So um, those people are the main people that we have uh, on our team, like me being the creative mind, business person, photographer, uh, videographer as well. So those are important parts. Um, and the business, got, uh, our, my, my business partner also handles our social medias too. So awesome. That's a great explanation. I think it's really, really helpful for the listeners to hear that. Um, before we get to our final question, I'd, I'd be, again, remiss if I didn't uh, thank the Quad City Arts for actually making the introduction to you initially here to get you here as a potential guest. And it's been a phenomenal interview. Um, we would be totally out of line if we didn't ask you, do you have the opportunity? Would you be willing to share a little bit of your your work with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Please, uh, I was waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And also, like uh, with that said, too, like I said uh, earlier, um, I'm doing a collaboration with the Quad City Symphony um, May 19th uh, with Mark as well. We're doing a very poetic collaboration I'm so excited for. So if you like this, definitely check it out uh, May awesome. 19th because it'll be a little more better. But um, yeah, I can share this piece uh, called You've You've Been Here Before, which is actually in my next book. I just finished my fourth book, which should be out um, in the fall um, and all that. So I can share that one with y'all real quick. When fears find themselves in that first breath you breathe in the morning, reflecting themselves in your cup of coffee, remember, you've been here before. You've swam through this pool of anxiety, drenched and soaking in cynicism, palms sweat as mind races in wrong direction, believing you can't turn things around to this path. I mean, you've been bending corners since birth, beat billions of seeds to fertile grounds and grew to blossom, airing your lungs in the same wind. You fought many battles, some with parents, some with siblings, and some with self. That part of you that sees mountains and shudders, trembles to trials and tribulations, taking forms of tests and entrance exams as you taken two times two times. Don't falter. This feeling's familiar. You've been here before. I love Holy it. Holy buckets. I don't think I've ever cried on a real piece of work. But there, when was the last time you did something for the first time? That was phenomenal. Thank you oh, so much it. for Appreciate sharing you. that. Thank yeah. you. Mr. Obbs, if you don't mind, uh, that's our final wrap up question. You know, look back at 16 year old Aubrey. And what would you tell Aubrey to keep doing, stop doing and start doing mm-hmm. in order to, you know, help create that, that, uh, that uh, playbook for success in future life? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think uh, 16 year old me, uh, one thing I would tell him to uh, continue to do is like, keep being creative, um, stop trying to fit in and start like using your, 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 your differentness for like a better term to, uh, to kind of pave your, your road of uh, what you want to do. I think like a lot of my career, I'm always tell people like, though I'm in like the space that I'm in, um, I'm definitely grateful for it and all that. I always tell people though, like, I feel like there's an aspect of me that says like, I would have, I could have been farther if I wasn't always trying to like fit in necessarily, you know? And I think like as people, it's hard because we want to fit in because fitting in is synonymous to having community. But um, I think just, just being somebody who's an educator, whose, whose art is, is primarily poetry and spoken word. Um, you kind of feel like you're in your own box almost, you know, because there's not a lot of people in that space. A lot of my good musician friends are drummers, um, 
bass guitarists, rappers, um, battle rappers as well. So like a lot of like these, these are my really good friends, you know, and they they influence a lot of what I do art wise. But I never always I never really always articulated it like that. I always articulated it in a sense of like, oh, I need to be more like them. So I'm normal. So I do like what what they're doing and people will love me because I'm normal. But I think just having influences that I do like James Baldwin, um, Langston Hughes, uh, even Kendrick Lamar, like a lot of their being known was built off of them being different. You know, there's still a lot of people to this day that may not know who they are, who may think their art is not that important or is irrelevant, but there's people for every one of those people, there's 10 people who like, they have changed the trajectory of their living in life, you know? And for me, realizing that I feel like it's more so important to, um, to be that conduit of like what different looks like and how different can be a career as opposed to like trying to jam myself to fit in because if I fit in, I'm not completely happy. So I would tell my 16 year old self, like be happy. And if being, being said weird, which is a good thing. I, I think being weird is a good thing. If, if that's what makes you happy, do that to the full of your ability. Absolutely. I love it. So I, I, I got to say, Mr. Robs, you certainly are a real piece of work and we appreciate you being a part of this uh, program today. And thank you so much for your time and insight. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. It was, it's, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we can finally kind of like make this happen. So thank y'all again. For my, for my purpose and my benefit, I am extremely glad that the first two attempts did not come through because, (laughs) you know, (laughs) thank you so much for your time. And thanks for sharing uh, a piece of yourself with us. True piece of work. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Joe, I got to say, Mr. Rob said it and you said it the third time's a charm and I'm happy that we uh, stuck to it and our guns here in terms of making sure he was a part of a real piece of work. Um, Lots of reflections, but um, I think the one thing that's standing out for me, and again, um, embracing, he's calling it the weirdness. I don't know if that's, you know, that embracing the weirdness as an artist, you've got a passion for something, but I think the message that I hope that the listeners are hearing is there is still, if you want to make a career out of this, there is a business side to this that if you're not comfortable with finding a team that can help you get there. Um, and help making sure that you can concentrate what, on what you do quite well, maybe in the artist lane, while others are helping make sure that the business survives, so to speak. So that, that was one of my major reflections besides a bunch of other stuff. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think that it's really, really good. If, you know, I've said this so many times, and so I feel like I'm a, a broken record on repeat, but if there's a single podcast at this point in time that any kids listen to or any people listen to, to want to get a feel for what we're trying to achieve with this podcast. Mm-hmm. In my mind, this is the one to listen to today. I mean, it's a, it's a true example of someone trying different things, figuring out who they are and making something a life of something that they is just so important to them. And they really true, truly feel is impacting uh, people in the community. Um, you know, he talked about being involved with the Gray Manners Collective. Mental health is a big issue going on. Now. It's, it's a very important topic for me. And just, you know, being able to, uh, for Gray Manners to reach out and for another uh, local organization to find somebody to to reach kids in different ways um, so that they they have all different viewpoints, um, you know, keep being creative. Yeah, the differences. The differences, I think, was the biggest one um, for me. Using those to propel yourself. I think so many times we use our differences as our excuse, as our, our yeah. crutch, you know, that that's, that's what we use. Um, and so to be able to take that and use that. Um, and then, you know, he talked about the question for Maddie was, um, well, he talked about his friend. His friend is the person who really inspired him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he was at a coffee shop. And so for me too, it's the listeners that are listening in, go talk with people, go have conversations with people because had that person not come up and had that conversation and asked him that question, where would he have been today? Would, would that same thing have happened? So I just feel like that's important for people to realize, to understand, like go out and talk to people, have some conversations, say what's on your mind. Cause you never know who that's going to affect in a specific day either. So I have a lot, you know, I just keep talking so we could probably go for another half hour, but that's, that's where I'm at with it. Thanks. Uh, thanks again to Quad City Arts for bringing um, OBS on to us as well. Thanks, Joy. Looking forward to the next one as always.